morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers, um, as I think anybody reasonable would have expected, lost to the Clippers last night. And while a lot of what we kind of envisioned heading in came to fruition, a lot of some kind of nagging concerns also came up in a way that makes that game frustrating, even given our lowered expectations. So the final for MoneyLauderingArena.com or whatever it is uh, was 125 to 118 in the Clippers' favor. This was their 11th straight win against the Lakers, and uh, Ty Lue remains perfect against the Lakers ever since he took that job there uh, with the Clippers. In uh, this one, obviously heading in, we knew that it was going to be a tough game. It felt like a schedule loss heading in. That's why I kind of bet on it, um, and and. Yeah, it, it played out that way. The Lakers looked sluggish early on, and for most of the game, they made a couple runs, and during those runs looked like the better team, but that's kind of what runs are, right? They're, they're kind of flashes in the pan. Uh, but in this one, the Lakers, you know, look, we've been saying this for years now while LeBron has been here. His energy, his kind of vibe, they set the tone for the team, and... Sure, yeah, they are adults, you know, LeBron's teammates, and to a certain extent, they should be able to kind of get ready for the game on their own terms, but that isn't really how the NBA works. Stars set the tone um, organizationally, and the <laughs> everything else kind of follows as, as such, right? Um, that's why you see some organizations, while they're led by certain stars, kind of stuck in the mud, and then you see others that you know, who have stars uh, that are that are ready to lead in, in the way that they have to. And, you know, they, they kind of, they outperform expectations or they or they meet expectations or whatever. But, but in this case, uh, again, while I completely understand why they might have come out this way or my, why they may have uh, looked the way that they did, the Lakers came out super sluggish. And I don't think it's any coincidence whatsoever that, LeBron played his worst half of this, you know, the season, maybe one of his worst halves of his time as as a Laker, and the Lakers followed suit with easily one of their worst halves since uh, the the trade deadline and found themselves well down. I think it was like a nineteen point game uh, by the time, yeah, it was it was uh, let's see, that is thirteen, yeah, they were down by nineteen at halftime. And then that lead quickly ballooned up to, to 24. Lakers fought all the way back to get it to within seven. Clippers go on another run that it winds up being an, a, a net nine points. And, you know, the game was never really close uh, again from there. Though, don't tell Darvin Ham that, as LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell, three of whom have really dealt with some real energy problems this year or injury problems this year. Uh, <laughs> they all finished the game, even though the, 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 it wasn't really competitive more on that and more on ham in a bit. But when it comes to, you know, LeBron uh, again, he's 38 and I understand completely when you play almost 40 minutes the night before and you hop on a plane, you wake up and you're sore from that, that night and you're dealing with a foot injury as it is that going up against Kawhi Leonard and a long and athletic Clippers team 
isn't exactly the best thing for how shitty you're probably going to feel at 38 years old when you put your body through all of that stuff. Yet, when when the team kind of feeds off of your energy or your vibes, you do kind of just have to be better than he was in the first half. And, you know, I it was similarly ugly for parts of the second half. Uh, the Lakers were out. They, they did outscore the Clippers in the third quarter, 30 to 22. And they did outscore the Clippers in the fourth quarter, 36 to 32, though there was some kind of garbage time uh, antics there that would help the, the, the score in the fourth quarter. But, you know, for the most part, the Lakers played the Clippers relatively even. But this is, you know, when you're playing a really good team, as the Clippers are, um, even if their record might not indicate that they're really good or whatever, uh, it, you can't afford to be kind of sluggish for prolonged periods of time as the Lakers were. And the Clippers made them pay often enough. And and, and, and this one was, was honestly early on. You kind of knew maybe there'd be a couple runs, but this one you knew heading in. And then given how that first half played out, you kind of knew, okay, yeah, they just don't have it tonight. Let's just get out of here healthy. And they did, to their credit, uh, though Ham did everything in his power to try to make that not be the case. LeBron did bounce back in the second half, and to my point, right, when he is energetic and focused, right, and, and committed to the things that the Lakers need to do on both sides of the ball— the Lakers are going to be energetic and focused on committed to the things that they need to do on both sides of the ball. And like I said in the last segment, the Lakers, as a result, outplayed the Clippers in the second half for, for, for long stretches and for honestly, for most of it. That doesn't mean that, you know, we look at it and say, oh, well, they were one half away from, you know, winning this one. No, this one it was was never honestly very close. The Clippers looked like the better team. They looked like the more rested team. And that's without Paul George. The Lakers still, even while they are significantly better uh, after the trade deadline, they still do have quite a few things to kind of answer. Uh, I thought Dennis Schroeder played one of his worst games as a Laker. D'Angelo Russell never really got it going uh, despite playing 40 minutes. And, and you know, you kind of look across this thing and uh, the bench Denver really felt, you never really felt very confident in them. And, you know, enough of those things add up and it was just, you add the rest and, and enough guys just not quite looking like themselves. And yeah, this was, this was, that's the way that that game is always going to kind of play out. But, uh, I thought there were still some concerns or, or hopefully not some steps back into some bad habits that the Lakers really need to avoid uh, if they do want to, you know, quickly bounce back as they get ready for the for the play in and and the playoffs. First and foremost, I really and Raj and I talked about this the other night on on the lounge, and I you know talked about it again in, on the lowdown. I have really enjoyed watching the Lakers move without the ball when AD has it in the post and. You know, Ty Lue did his kind of mental stuff before the game, saying that the, the Clippers weren't going to double Anthony Davis. And, and, you know, lo and behold, as soon as Davis kind of caught the ball, and certainly by the time he pivoted to look at the basket, 
he was getting double teamed. And Ty Lue kind of said after the after the game, oh, you guys believe that? And AD and Hammer standing there like, yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> and and the Lakers never really adjusted to the traps that, that were uh, the, the Clippers were sending to AD whenever he had it in the post. And, you know, part of it is, is uh, you know, a lack of adjustment over the course of the game. You would hope that at some point a timeout will be called and you would go to the sideline and Ham would remind everybody, hey, when they go and they trap from this angle, we need to send a cutter from over here and we need to move uh, a, a an outlet passer over here so that if they're open, then they can take that shot or at worst, they can kick it one more to the corner for an open corner three-pointer. Um, but there was never really any adjustment and, and I think kind of foundationally speaking, and this is where I get a little nervous about bad habits kicking back in, um, both from the standpoint of the lack of movement. And I do think this is where exhaustion comes into play. Remember, the, the Lakers didn't just play the second night of a back-to-back here against the Clippers. This was the second night of a back-to-back coming off of eight straight days on the road and and we already saw how sluggish the Lakers were looking in that Utah game. And, you know, I, I didn't Im- imagine they were just going to find a whole bunch of energy, you know, less than 24 hours after that. So on one hand, you say like, okay, it makes some sense, whatever. Um, but on the other, given how noticeable it was when the Lakers were moving while AD had the ball in the post, you kind of hope that, that would continue because it, the, the Lakers are just a very different team offensively when they're doing those things. And when they went away from it, and then you combine that with AD's own execution, making those pace, those passes out of the post. And yeah, some of it is like I said yesterday on the lowdown, some of why AD looked like a better passer is because there was a lot more direction in where he should be looking because of the motion off of the ball. But also he kind of dipped back into some of the bad habits where he's throwing passes off balance. He's throwing the more conservative pass that doesn't get you any kind of advantage. And sometimes he's throwing that more conservative pass not particularly well. So you actually get a disadvantage by way of that pass. Just generally speaking, it was not a great execution night there for the Lakers. And, you know, you're going to have to do one thing or the other. Uh, against a team as good as you. You're either going to have to out-energize, uh, uh, out-energy them or you're going to have to out-execute them. And for much of the game, basically most of it, Lakers didn't do either. I also thought this was a game that kind of showcased some of my concerns in terms of the Lakers' backcourt where Norman Powell looked great. Russ looked really good early on in the game. Uh you know, Bones Highland got involved and Terrence Mann had a quarter of, of his own that looked pretty good. And it, Eric Gordon got it going really well, too. It was basically like Clippers guards just like taking turns, uh, taking turns, taking advantage of whoever was in front of them. Some of it was them taking turns, uh, taking advantage of whoever wasn't in front of them when either they were getting closed out super short or weren't getting closed out at all to, and they just found themselves wide open from three-point range. But yeah, the, the the guards that the Clippers have were really giving the Lakers problems because you know, I thought Dennis Schroeder played really poorly last night. D'Angelo Russell, when he's playing well, 
is still like a mediocre defender. Austin Reeves' legs looked pretty dead, and, you know, Vanderbilt was kind of tied up with Kawhi Leonard. Rui Hachimura never really got into a rhythm. Troy Brown Jr. of the Lakers' guards probably looked the best kind of from start to finish, and even he was, you know, it's like your typical Troy Brown game. So, yeah, when when the backcourt the backcourt gets outplayed in the way that the, the Lakers did last night, and the frontcourt isn't creating advantages for enough parts of the game— this is kind of what the game is going to look like. And yeah, the, the score might indicate it was a, a seven-point difference here, uh, but it was never really that close. And again, like we have to be realistic. I didn't think that the Lakers were going to win this one. Um, but even still, there were some you know kind of macro-level issues, and, and I'm going to talk about Darvin Ham here in a second, uh, that still crept up that even given my lowered expectations, I still felt kind of frustrated. So let's talk about Darvin Ham. To be absolutely fair here, and Sabrina made this point on the show, and it is worth kind of repeating here, the Lakers, while I was hoping that they would cut down their rotation heading into the playoffs, this was probably not the game that it was going to happen in. It it should have happened earlier. I'm still kind of waiting, and that kind of gets back to why I'm talking about Ham in the way that I will here in a second. But... Uh, I didn't, you know, hoping that the Lakers would trim down their rotation on the second night of a back-to-back after a road trip, um, probably not realistic, right? Even if it was kind of the Lakers' only chance at winning this game, that was not in the cards here, um, you know, in in a game that came in this kind of circumstance. Honestly, the, the, the NBA really kind of dropped the ball here. Uh, the Lakers should have, you know, played the Utah game maybe a day earlier, or this game should have taken place a, a day earlier too. Like whatever it is, uh, it really kind of sucks that for this big a game, you had one team at such a disadvantage. But still, that is just kind of how it goes over the course of a season. Uh, schedule losses happen all the time, and this just happened to be one of them. But for Ham to once again go to a lineup that doesn't feature two of D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis is just, it's maddening. It's a its a mistake that doesn't need to happen, should never happen, and yet we continue to see it happening. Um, in this one, I was kind of hoping, uh, given the, the, the guards that the Clippers had, that maybe the Lakers, instead of trying to match up with guards who were just better than the guards that the Lakers have, like Norm Powell is just better than Austin Reeves at this stage of his career. Uh, <laughs> Norm Powell is, is is just better than Dennis Ruder at this stage of his career. Eric Gordon is just better than Troy Brown at this stage of their careers. And, you know, for what he has to do for that team, Russell Westbrook fits, you know, pretty well. They've figured out, they've ironed out those wrinkles, and he fits pretty well as kind of this energizer bunny who, you know, just kind of functions to do the things he does, and if things aren't working, he just sits, right? We didn't see him in the fourth quarter, which was really kind of funny to see, you know, kind of bigger accounts on Twitter saying, oh, Russell Westbrook, revenge game. It's like, he didn't play in the fourth. All right, fine, whatever, they won. Um, But but yeah, in in this one, I was kind of hoping to see, uh, and I wrote about this in the, uh, for, for Substack the other day, I want to see the Lakers, and maybe it's too late, probably is too late, 
but I would like to see the Lakers lean into the bigger, stronger, faster identity and force teams to try to match up with their size across the board rather than try to match up, in this case, with the Clippers team whose smaller, more skilled guards are better than the smaller, more skilled guards than the Lakers have at their disposal. But that wasn't the case. And I, you know, I, I wasn't exactly shocked to see that as a result, the 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 Clippers kind of litany of combo guards all looked really good against a group of tired, lesser players. Uh, well, I I don't think it matters. I don't think the Lakers are going to see the, Clay, the the Clippers in the playoffs this year, and so like we don't have to worry about that specific matchup again. But I do kind of hope moving forward that. Ham lands on a rotation or an identity that forces teams to match up with him rather than constantly reacting to the situations that teams try to put him into. Also, Darwin, what the fuck are you doing keeping LeBron and AD and Reeves and D'Angelo Russell in the game, down 14 points with under five minutes to go. Get them their rest. Move on. It was a loss. You you lost the game. It's fine. But risking just absolute disaster by keeping those guys in is just wrong. It's objectively the wrong thing to do. Never, ever, 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 ever again do that. That is that like I the whole time those guys were in to finish up that game. I'm sitting there thinking like every LeBron drive, every time AD goes to challenge a shot, every single time D'Angelo Russell even looks at a basketball, given his injury issues so far with the Lakers, like every single play, I'm I'm sitting there saying like, well, this is just the Lakers are going to lose one of these guys down 18 in the fourth, and 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 who the hell will be able to explain why that happens? That was just, it was, it was a ridiculous approach to the last five minutes of the game. I'm, whoo, man, I'm, I'm exacerbated, but obviously relieved that the Lakers, you know, didn't have an injury given how stupid that approach was. Um, they got out of there unscathed, but... But good Lord, man, like it's one thing to bungle the rotations over the course of the game the way that he did, but to then double and triple down the way that he did at the end of the game uh, was just, and I, you know, there are people saying like, well, LeBron and D'Angelo Russell need their reps. It's like, that's fine or whatever, but you have two more games to play. You can get those reps there while those games might mean a little something and you have a chance at winning those ones. The Lakers didn't have a chance really at winning this one. They didn't for most for most of the fourth quarter, and keeping those guys in there was legitimately irresponsible. Not borderline irresponsible. Not you know, oh, it's kind of the there's there's an explanation for no. It was just stupid. It was a stupid move, and I'm glad it didn't hurt them. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Make sure you guys check out uh, my conversation with Sabrina Merchant, uh, now of the Athletic, formerly of Silver Screen and Roll. Um, we talk about this game. We talk about the Lakers uh, season and our expectations for them here moving forward. And then we talk about women's basketball and, and her time covering it to this point there for the athletic 
Obviously, for the last like 72 hours, we've been talking about Angel Reese and uh, Caitlin Clark and LSU and Iowa and Jill Biden for some reason. Um, all of it. Sabrina and I dip into some of that stuff, talk about the health of the sport here moving forward, um, and, and, and then just kind of some of her experiences covering the sport um, in the way that she gets to now in, in a job that you know, she has been more than deserving of here for, for years. So, uh, check that out. It was a really fun conversation. Again, if you've missed any of the shows over the course of the week, um, check out all of that stuff as well. Um, and continue to get your five-star review questions in for this weekend's mailbag. It's already starting to fill up. Um, but I will answer all of them that I can as we get ready for that mailbag on Sunday. So until, uh, to tomorrow, and until the next time I, I talk to you guys next, if my voice holds up, I will. <laughs> I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.